Buckle up, my friends. Here is part three of the social dilemma. Is social media dangerous for our kids? What's our responsibility as parents? And can social media be self-regulated? Get ready for this continued discussion, and I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think of our discussion and your thoughts on the Netflix original, The Social Dilemma. Well, hey there, friends. Thank you for coming back for part three of our Social Dilemma panel discussion. I think you're really going to like how we close out this series. So let's tune in. What about um, regulation? Do you think social media should be regulated? Depends on who's regulating. Yeah. You nailed it, Sandy. Good question. I actually wrote that down. I go, who gets to regulate? That's the big question. Exactly. So, okay. So then let me ask this question first and then we'll go the other way is, um, do you think social media platforms can self-regulate? Do you think that's even something that they're capable of? Here's what I think. I think the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Because I think the code of ethics is different for every organization and every individual. And without something that is standardized for integrity, honesty, the genuine concern for the broad public as a whole, I don't think you can do that. No. I think our, especially right now in the United States, everything is so divided politically and we're not, there's no middle road. Everything is an extreme. Mm-hmm. And we have so many extreme us that, and, and this is around the world too. It's not just in the US, but I, I personally, I just don't see how they would ever come to an agreement. And I don't think they could do it so that Instagram had one code of ethics, Facebook had another. I think it has to be a general consensus. And I don't think that they could come to that because we as people can't come to that. Right. right. Like we can't all agree on what is something that we should all consume. What is something that we should all get rid of? Like if we could say, hey, let's get rid of the negativity in the world, like life would be great, but nobody's gonna agree to that. We wouldn't have social media platforms. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's always gonna be good and evil. So, yeah. you know, as yeah. long as there's good and evil in the world, we don't we don't have control over that. And there's always, you know, if you think about it. Even in churches, there has been, you know, dysfunction and evilness and hate and war and turmoil. If that's happening in, you know, religious organizations, it's going to happen in social organizations. So how do you regulate the people and, you know, one person or two people not wanting total control and total influence over every decision that's made? It's just the natural course of human nature. But we're seeing it. Yeah. We are seeing them, you know, like Facebook is a business. Mm -hmm. They can make their rules. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And we're watching them censor, take away our freedom Mm -hmm. of speech. You know, we're Mm -hmm. watching them doing this. So they are doing it. Um, Just like, you know, in Costco, you can't go to Costco without a membership. That's their rule. You know, they can change that tomorrow if they wanted to. So Facebook, if they wanted to show something or not, you know what I'm saying? They, They are regulating what's being shown to us. And it's, sadly, it's their business that we have to kind of play along with. It was, if it was our platform, then we could make the rules. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but honestly, I'm seeing it. I just see them, you know, regulating their own platform. And, and uh, although again, without integrity, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. I was thinking more in terms of like regulation, like government regulation rules and things like, you know, more versus like individual platforms. Mm -hmm. I think censorship is different than, regulate. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. 
Hmm. Well, self we're probably saying the same thing. We're just looking at it from different differently. <laughs> but that's the beauty in it, right? Yeah. We're mm-hmm. going to look at this differently. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's why this platform right here with us coming together, sharing the different opinions is so powerful because, you know, this can connect with somebody and it could also be like, oh no, what I would, I would have said this, right? And so it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. also stimulating the mind of every single person that's listening to this right now. Well, yeah. And for them to think for themselves and have their own thoughts about these instead of having it spoon fed again. Mm -hmm. So with Instagram, and this is so timely, the fact that this happened, that Instagram took away the hashtags uh, prior to the election. I'm not even really sure. They said after the election, so I'm not even sure when they're coming back. So is that... Because when's that going to be over? (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. (laughs) So is that self-regulation or is that manipulation? Like, how do you see that whole thing? Like, what is that? Uh, it's control. It's, it's control. You know, and I think it's, yeah. it's, it's a combination of censorship, control, regulation. I, I, I guess when I think of regulation, I think of more of, you know, setting up standards that are ultimately protecting other people. And I'm not sure that any of these organizations are doing anything to protect the individual. No. Well, I think they think they are because they have their community regulations or their community roles that you you have to abide by. But, um, you know, and then if you don't, you get shadow banned or whatever. So I think that's their attempt to do that. But I don't know that they're effective in it. So I think my thing with that is how like it affects in so many different ways of really bringing in more negativity, in my opinion, right? Because now there people are stressing about it. There's so mm-hmm. much negative energy. And Mel, I'd love to hear your opinion on this because this isn't happening in Canada, right? So like, it's not, it, it's just, it's like normal time. Whereas we're all over here like, oh, stressed out and what's going to happen. And, you know, the negativity of not being able to engage in these ways that have been, you know, available to us and feeling censored. What does it look like to the rest of the world that, you know, we're all in this energy? I honestly, I haven't looked into it. I haven't been, I didn't post today. I haven't been posted since this thing was um, announced. So I have no clue if it's been affecting us or not. And I mean, I don't want to get into the the whole um, election thing, but it's so crazy for us because I mean, we're we're neighbors, right? We're like connected to you guys. And so it, it even, I mean, it's all over our news too, the whole thing, right? So we are getting fed with facts and not so much facts about what's going on, um, you know, with your election. So for sure, it's it's affecting us in a way, but I'm not too, too sure about how the actual hashtags are affecting other countries. You know, There's something some to think about. Oh, sorry, Sandy, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that I, I've read some comments and and quite a few Canadians are not, are still seeing the hashtags normals, top posts, recent posts, they're still seeing it. Whereas we just get to see whatever they want us to see. Mm. <laughs> and put into mm-hmm. out. <laughs> but I, I would be curious because, you know, the Senate hearings were this week for um, Facebook, for Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. and, and the likes. And I wonder if, you know, had they not been called out and, you know, censoring information and, you know, only distributing certain types of information versus being fair across the board, I wonder if this wouldn't be different today. We wouldn't even be having the conversation about hashtags today. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Timing is is interesting. Oh, the timing is always interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I mean, yeah. around the whole, like, you know, the lawsuit with the oh, know, yeah. social media designers and everything. So crazy. It is crazy. So let's talk about kids for a minute, because <laughs> this is just something... I don't know. Depression, anxiety, and social anxiety is growing at an alarming rate, especially among that Gen Z population. And like I mentioned before, they're that one population that social media, that they've literally grown up with, you know, since infancy. It was there when they were born. Um, Do you think that social media has a big role in this, that that's the reason why all of these anxiety issues and depression is coming to the forefront? What are your thoughts on that? Totally. Absolutely. Okay. And why do you say that? Why do you say that? I I mean, I see that I I have two boys Mm -hmm. and granted they are not on, they're 13 and almost 16. They don't have Facebook. They don't have Snapchat. They don't have Instagram, but the only thing that they do have is YouTube. And I think these kids who have grown up with social media, fast technology, it is their, almost their primary, almost their sole way of connection Mm -hmm. and immediate gratification, Immediate. immediate. It's in their face. They can't get enough of it. They need more of it. And I see it in my boys, their obsession with being on YouTube to see the next video, onto the next video, onto the next video. And the minute it's, you know, I tell them, put it away, we're done. It is this lost blank look on their face and they just don't know what to do with themselves Mm. because I took away their primary source of connection. Mm -hmm. It's, it's gone. Yeah. So that's what I see the problem with, because I think with us, we have an awareness. We know that social media is a problem and we know what to do with it because guess what? We didn't have technology when we grew up. Right. You know, we love telling our kids those stories and they just look at us with this blank face and whatever, (laughs) you know, but we know how to communicate. We know how to do that. We know how to pick up the phone and have a conversation and Mm. go in line at Target and strike up a conversation with the mom in front of me. I have no problem doing that. But you don't see younger kids or, you know, young in their 20s and teens doing that because I don't think they're taught how to do it because online is their primary source of connection. And to me, that's really sad. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. Mm -hmm. That's so true, Allison, about that, um, you know, the fact that my kid, the thing is too, here's the thing, they are communicating in their own way. You know, mm-hmm. they're texting, they're commenting, they're, you know, their communication is much different than our communication. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, they they have been taught a whole different way of communicating. Like you, my son, I, he's going to be 18 years old. He doesn't want to make a phone call. He doesn't, when he was like 14, he didn't want to order his food at the restaurant we were sitting at. Like I, he asked me to order his food. He doesn't want to talk to someone. And, you know, now granted he's working now and now he has to actually speak and take orders from other people. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) But, you know, at the same time, you know, it's just, it's just craziness to me that I want to know where I taught him that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess it wasn't me, you know, um, because, you know, I'm a talker. So why isn't this kid, you know, like being able to carry a conversation or even just want, like you said, initiate that conversation and target and, mm-hmm. and express his feelings. You know, like, you know, if someone says, oh my gosh, it's really hot in here. Well, yeah, it is. Well, they, he just ignores them. <laughs> 
well, they're surely not talking to me. <laughs> Why would someone speak to me? <laughs> you know, that, it's such a good point. And one thing, and for anyone listening who has younger children, the one thing we always did was, and, and maybe it's because my oldest always had social anxiety. So we almost had to force issues, you know, force him to do things so that he could grow to be more comfortable with them. But there's simple little things that you can do to encourage them to continue to have conversation. And it's pick up the phone and call grandma, order your own meal. Mm-hmm. You know, I like call for the carryout order. And, you know, I, I've made my kids do those things so that they could get those skills because mm-hmm. they're too dependent on using text. And it's so incredibly dangerous because we never know how things are going to be perceived when they're in writing and especially there's, there's so much risk. And I am like the queen of typos because I, even in my Instagram comments, constantly misspell or type, miss a word, whatever. So there's so many misunderstandings that then cause animosity and the loss of friendships or anger or someone talking about someone else. And it's a downward spiral unless we teach them. And as parents, I think that's our role. We have that responsibility to, you know, somehow have them step away and use the use conversation verbally versus constantly in writing through text or just social media. I totally agree. So it's that human connection. I think that's what's lost Yeah, is human connection. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with say the divorce rate as like our children start to get married and their friends start to get married. And because they haven't had to have those, one-on-one mm-hmm. or those personal content or personal contact, you know, relationship building skills that, that we had. And it's even worse now with COVID. I'm oh, sorry. I don't want to bring that subject. <laughs> <laughs> my kids in school, like my son was like, I can't, I can't talk to my friends. We were, we have to sit mm-hmm. at the exact same um, desk all day long. And my friends are sitting over there and then there's no way he's going to talk to the kids around him because he doesn't know them. So he's sitting eight hours straight, listening to the teachers, not talking to anyone. And then he doesn't take the bus because I have to pick him up. So he doesn't have any interaction whatsoever. And I mean, he's, my kids are struggling with that because they're lonely. And then they get onto mm-hmm. their Xbox playing with their friends online. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not interacting with anyone right now. And it's actually like, and we can't like, the way that things are for us in Canada, like we can't visit anyone either. So there's barely any personal connection and it's sad. Yeah. it's extreme. So I'm really interested in Sierra's perspective because you have little ones, like little, little ones who don't, um, who aren't, don't have accounts yet because they're taught, well, yes. infant and toddler. So like, how does this all play out for you and your kids? I'm just interested. How do you So it's it? really funny that you say that because as you mentioned, like not having a toddler account, I've actually had people ask me if I'm going to create one for my son because like, oh, he's so adorable. I love seeing pictures of him. And I'm like, why would I want my two-year-old to have an account? But they're out there, right? Like you can go and search like so-and-so's baby. And mm-hmm. um, so it's really interesting you bring that up. But so- The first thing I want to say before I get into that is the other thing about like how anxiety affects our kids is is also how we are showing up because they see us, right? So like when they don't want to talk to us because, you know, we're on our phone and they think we're not listening or when that's the energy around, like that also I think brings in the anxiety for them. Mm -hmm. So as Robin was saying, the responsibility we have of 
controlling our own, you know, mm-hmm. boundaries around social media can really affect their anxiety as well. Um, but one of the things that my husband and I have talked about is setting, like, we have no phones near us at dinner, right? And so, like, there's, like, that strict boundary. We don't bring phones into the bedroom. There's that strict boundary. Um, not for any crazy reasons, but just because we <laughs> don't want to sleep with that energy. <laughs> um, no like so we want our kids to see this and so my son is too and so he really picks up on it right like he knows that I listen to music right I always get in a high vibe before I get him a call and so he wants to be there and he wants to be in that space and he wants to you know my phone means music like that's what his brain has already done these two and it's it's scary to think about you know I got my first phone at 11, right? Thinking about it, like that's when I did because my parents were divorced and my parents wanted to be able to talk to me when I was at a different house. And so it's like one of my friend's sons, he's six and he already has a phone and he can call his dad and talk. And it's like, what is the proper, right? Like the, the new normal, so to speak, of when's a good time to introduce them? Because I think it's always going to be there, right? Like I can't ever be like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna keep you safe forever and protected from this energy, and I think at the main point, I wouldn't want to because, you know, then they're going to be it, like hit in the face with it when it does come to them. And we always try and rebel. That's the other thing I think when we're told, no, there's a rebellious nature. Um, <laughs> but no, I, there's a there's a fear around how am I going to introduce it in a way that doesn't bring in stress. And I mean, for me, that's like really the energies around it and the energetics. But I think it's definitely something that we all kind of have to think about different ways to do that. Mm, good. So I wonder if you guys would be up for this, uh, just doing like one parental piece of advice you would give to our listeners, like just from your perspective, does anybody want to start? Like, what's the one thing, if you were to do different with your kids um, about social media, or if you were to give them some sort of advice, what would that be? I would say start creating good habits Mm-hmm. that um, social media should be more of a reward and a secondary source of entertainment, not the primary. That's good. You know, because now I'm trying to get the kids, I just told my boys, starting on Sundays, nobody is on social media. And that includes my husband and I. There's no YouTube, no nothing. I go, but we can do other things. We can uh, play board games. Hey, how about that? Like, you know, we can watch a movie together. We can cook. We can do whatever. So I think it's creating better habits as a family, as a nuclear family, because I think that's also what's getting destroyed in the world is this nucleus of a good family. Mm-hmm. It's up to us as parents to keep hold of that mm-hmm. and make that a priority. And social media is secondary. It's on the back burner and it's more of a reward than anything. I like that. That's good. Yeah. I think I would say awareness, like education slash awareness, like meaning, you know, that documentary, watch it with your kids. If your kids are a little older, like they're smart and they understand things. So I think it's just a matter of educating them because a lot of kids and I mean even us we don't necessarily understand everything like how it works and why it works that way so just educating them I think would be good and of course boundaries um 
setting boundaries. Sandy, being that do you um, have any role model, <laughs> because you know we we get sucked into this too, as we all know. You know, we're all sucked in here. We we have that little bit of a of the addiction. Should I say little? Um, but if we are those great role models with boundaries, you know, that definitely, you know, of course, you know played in with Mel's uh, suggestion and Allison's and all of our suggestions, but really being that role model and setting those boundaries for ourselves and for our families. I think that it's about what showing the positive side of it too, like not necessarily just, you know, clearing it for yourself or saying, okay, well, just, you know, keep, keep the boundaries from like going inward and turning it off. Right. But also when you are on bringing the idea of like, there's positivity here, right. Social media can be a really beautiful mm-hmm. place it can be a really powerful place and getting them to be a part of that, you know, even if, for instance, one of my friends, she shares um, a message from social media every single day. She sends it through a text to her son when they wake up. So like one of those like positive affirmation things, it's like, there's beauty in this if you choose to put that energy mm-hmm. forward. So doing that, something like that to bring that more, you know, around in their space. Mm-hmm. Robin, do you have any advice you would give to parents about social media? I'm going to kind of loop everybody's together, really, because as I was listening to everyone, I was thinking, well, that that is something I would say. But number one, I would say from the time your kids are little, have family game night, encourage them to read, instill that love of reading early on. And then, you know, those family game nights, like still when my boys come home from college, that's something we enjoy doing together. Mm-hmm. They're all avid readers. So if their phone is broken or there's some reason, you know, we they're, they're grounded and I take the phone away, whatever, you know, there's something else that they can do. And there's another source of inspiration for them. So those are two big things. Um, I agree completely with Allison and the keeping the nuclear family together mm-hmm. and in focus so that you have that constant communication. They're coming to you when they need advice, they're not going to their phone to seek advice. Um, that's a really big one. And then I would also say waiting till the last possible minute to give them a phone. And when you give them a phone, te- test their responsibility level with the mm-hmm. phone before giving them the uh, access to social media so that you can understand and monitor you know, their texting habits and how they're using their phone um, in a way of communicating with you before giving them the access to all the social media and all those external stimulus and, and risk factors. Mm -hmm. Those are really good. Those are really good. So now I kind of want to turn to us, um, as content creators and just think about, you know, how this all affects us. So like we have ranks and numbers and engagement percentages and all this stuff, is that your friend? Is it your foe? Does it push you to actually make better content or is it pushing you in that comparison um, mode? Like where, where are we in that? Like, where's your head with all of that stuff? I'm probably the least into any of that stuff. And I don't know if it is my age. I don't know if I am just so stinking stubborn that I absolutely (laughs) refuse to dive into all of that. But I figure that this is an avenue to build relationships, make connections, referral sources, grow my podcast, grow my audience. But I... I just have not put an emphasis on any of that. Now, could my numbers, my, could I have more followers? Could I be getting clients from Instagram? Maybe. But if I were to focus that much energy on social media and those numbers, I would lose my mind. I would say something else, but. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it all goes back to your metrics. I have to yeah. keep myself sane so I don't do it. 
but I respect all of you who do and who educate Mm -hmm. other people on it because I think Mm -hmm. it's fascinating, Mm -hmm. but I have had to restrict myself. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you brought up a good point about vanity metrics. If Mm -hmm. you're looking at it just to see how popular you are, you're not getting on social media with the right purpose. The only reason I look at my insights on Instagram is just to see what content my audience is craving. Mm -hmm. Great. That's what they like. I'll produce more of it. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all I look at. I don't care about number of followers or how many people I'm losing or percentage rates. It doesn't influence me because I'm not going to get trapped into popularity. I'm there with a purpose to serve my audience. And I think that as content creators, as coaches, you know, developers on the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, you know, Facebook, we're there with a purpose to, again, help people. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be our primary focus, not our vanity metrics. Because now if we are getting sucked into vanity metrics, then I think we are moving into big tech just like how they, and now we're starting to look at our followers as products. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a problem. We need to go back to people. Exactly. Now, as a, so, you know, like both Laura and I manage social media accounts for other people. So we have that, you know, for myself, I'm, I'm like you guys, I, you know, the vanity metrics, it doesn't matter to me, you know, like, I don't care. You know, um, I definitely care about, you know, the content that I'm putting out that's going to attract the right person to me so that I can help them. But then when I have my client, I've got to show them the ROI. I've got to show them what's, what's happening. So I am a still a little, my foot's still in there because I need to be for my business. You know, but outside of that, for me personally, yeah, I don't get sucked into it either. But then again, you know, I've got to balance that out. And that is a little tough. Sierra, did you have something? Yeah. So one thing, I think this is all really great because it brings back the idea of the intention that you're showing up with, right? Like centering back on that. It's been a theme throughout this whole, you know, episode is like, you know, what is your intention for how you're doing it? And so the insights and your analytics, I love them. Like it lights me up to look at them and not in a way of like, oh, wow, I got a new follower. I'm growing. I'm popular. Oh, I got this many likes, right? But wow, I was able to reach this many people and impact this many people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. One of the my favorite things is when somebody's like, I, I need to grow my following because I don't have enough people, right? I'm not reaching enough. And it's like, okay, so you're reaching 15 people on a post. Those are 15 lives that you're impacting. Those are 15 people that get to see your message that you can help change. Mm -hmm. And so insights, I think are really powerful when you shift the normal mentality of like the actual metric and shift it into, you know, what impact are you creating? Because Mm -hmm. that's what social media can really bring. It can bring the intention and the impact of your true message and your, you know, soul's purpose for having a business or showing up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Mel, Robin? I love that. Um, Well, I agree with Robin. Like, I'm not the one (laughs) who checks my my analytics very much. Um, I don't, yeah, I I focus on creating content and making connections. Um, Like, if you ask me how many followers I have, I can tell you. I don't even know. I love the perspective that Sierra um, gave. I think it's so much more powerful when you shift your mindset around anything really, but 
Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I'm I'm in the same trap as Sandy is because you do, you know, your clients hire you for results. And if you're not results oriented and you don't get those for those people, they're going to be like, why am I paying you anyway? You know what I mean? So you're constantly um, challenging yourself to create the content that is going to perform for your audience. And it's a fine line to walk and it's a hard one too. (laughs) Um, So if we're working with our clients and stuff, what would we do or what would how would we coach them so they don't fall into the social dilemma so they're not you know run by the numbers so they're not in that comparison trap what would you say to your clients how would you coach them so the one thing i would say here is the results like you're talking about you and sandy you know as a social media manager the results isn't necessarily you know you got this many likes right mm-hmm. the main results is you got this many you know sales you got this many new clients like you were able to bring this many people into your business so thinking about it as you know coaching other people or sharing you know this knowledge with your listeners is what is your intention and the result that you're desiring? What's the outcome, right? Because the outcome's not, you can have 10,000 followers. It doesn't matter if you're making $0, you don't really have a business, mm-hmm. right? You can have, you know, you can be growing like crazy. You can pay for likes and followers, right? But it doesn't matter if you're not truly, you know, actually giving that, again, that impact. So the outcome around it, you know, showing up, thinking about what is the, you know, how many shares you get on a post or something, what does that actually look like for you instead of it just being a number? Mm-hmm. True. So I provide the education, you know, for, you know, letting them know these exact things, you know, we're not, this is not what we're going for. It doesn't matter that you've got the 10,000. Here's what we want. We want those connections because that connection is your lead and what you do with it after you get that lead and I give it to you. <laughs> You know, what are you going to do with it? So there's some responsibility on their part, but once they understand, so it's the whole education, the whole coaching about it, understanding what, how social media works. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, regular marketing, you know, um, So it's really getting, you know, having them understand the purpose of social media and how slowly it does work and, you know, really having them be educated on how the process actually works and why it works. And just to add on what Sierra was saying earlier, I think it's important to emphasize to anyone who's using social media, if you're coaching or just educating, that in reality, you have control over your intentions, but you do not have control over the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people are so focused on that outcome or that goal that they forget about what they're doing you know, in between. Mm -hmm. And we need to shift on our focus and our control on our intentions. And I think that's what's most important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And for me, when I'm working with my clients, it's, it's really teaching them to create content that's going to help them build those emotional connections and Mm -hmm. build relationships that will then turn into either clients or um, referral sources, and then using these platforms as a way to become the authority in their space to really show their expertise while they're building those relationships. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Mel, do you have any advice you'd give to clients? Me, me and Robin were always so on the same page. Basically, <laughs> the same thing. Just you know, being yourself and you know, standing out as the expert in your industry by you know sharing your knowledge. Really. So so there's no way I can teach that to my client. (laughs) (laughs) 
So just um, like we're kind of coming to the end here, what I would just want to say is like any sort of healthy habits that you would want to send our listeners with, um, how they can protect their energy, how can they protect their boundaries? Is there any one strategy or tactic that you use um, as it comes to social media and, and being on the different platforms? Anybody, Sierra, do you have anything that you would, one little piece of advice you'd give people? Um, I think it's about making sure that you're bringing the right people into your life. Like, I think it needs to be shared. We all met through social media, Mm -hmm. right? Like this beautiful sisterhood here met through the power of social media. Mm -hmm. And there are other women that I've met in my life and we've ended up meeting in real life and, you know, bringing that energy in as well, but really making sure you're connecting with the right people Mm -hmm. and you're spending your time just as if you were to invite people over for dinner, right? You're not going to invite anybody you don't like. So don't spend the time consuming their content. Don't follow them if they trigger you. Don't, you know, put yourself in the situations that you don't need to be in. Put yourself in the situations that light you up, that raise your vibration, because that's then how you can also grow your business too when you're in that higher state of vibration. Well, Mel, do you have any advice you would give anybody? Well, I mean, just setting your boundaries and really sticking with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good. I would say like a little bit like Sarah was saying earlier, listening to your body and like listening to your feelings. If things are not making you feel great, then don't do it. And then if you're at a point where it's consuming you so much that you feel like you're so alone, then maybe it's time for you to reach out to someone and actually, you know, get help. And that's totally fine to do as well. But yeah, setting up boundaries and sticking to them. Cool. Allison. I think uh, as just like, um, I think a lot of us are just so multi-passionate for so much in this world that we are over consumed and overwhelmed with uh, what, what do we do? So what I have found to be helpful is just choose one tiny change and then start putting those tiny changes together and you'll get some remarkable results. So it's really just asking yourself, does this feel good to me? Does it feel aligned to me? And just start making tiny little changes because, you know, social media is here to stay. I think Mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere. So you're not going to make overnight changes just like that. It's making tiny little changes, creating tiny little habits. And I think, you know, making that shift in your home and having everyone in your home on board with it, that's where you're going to see the results that you want. That's really good advice. Sandy. I am really going to go back to the whole self-worth thing. Like we really need to find, you know, the, the, the greatness in us, you know, like if we are, you know, comparing ourselves, if we are doing all that stuff, then we don't know how great we really are. We were created to be the way that we are, whether it resonates with everyone or no one, you know, it doesn't matter. This is who we are. And we need to really, you know, buy into the fact that we are who we are and stick with that. I love everything that Sierra said, you know, like just really um, creating your space, you know, really um, making your life the way it is. I do like to, um, I love social media. I love the power of it. I really, really do. I find it intriguing and, and it's so awesome. You know, I started way back in 2015, uh, which 
I'm, maybe more of you guys have <laughs> were, were you know longer than that, but I have relationships online still to this day. But m- a lot of them I've been able to really let's say let's get together. You know what I'm saying? And so I have met tons of people. Um, from online in real life, whether they've been visiting or I've been somewhere and we connect it, you know, it's just, so I like to make sure that, especially if I'm, I'm connecting a lot more locally, you know, to where I live, I will meet with these people mask on and everything. (laughs) But, you know, like if we can do it, we can do it. I do really like that in real life. I thrive off of that as an extrovert, you know, Um, but the power of social media and using it positively is amazing. And I don't know, I think, I think like, yay, it's not going away, but at the same time, I understand the problem and we do have to set our boundaries. Cool. Robin. Gosh, I mean, you all said that so well that I'm not sure what I have to add other than use it for good, for Mm -hmm. the good of others, but for the good of yourself as well. And if it becomes something that is weighing on you from a negative, uh, in a negative way or, you know, causing you any angst whatsoever, step away from it. But setting those boundaries are going to be key and then using it, um, to become that authority and expert in your area of expertise or your niche so that you can grow your business using it, but you're doing it in a way that is truly authentic to you and not comparing yourself to others or trying to follow the footsteps of others because you're on your path and the path that you're meant to be on and not theirs. And the grass is never greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. It's so important. Well, ladies, thank you so much. First off, for being my social media besties. We've been in a group together for, has it been two years? Soon? I think so. I think so. I think is, that, so. is that true? Oh my, oh my gosh. God. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> but you guys have been amazing. Um, Thank you for being here, for your candor and for being so transparent and open because there is some sensitive topics there and we all have our own opinions. And that's why I appreciate you ladies so much because we can be honest and say what we think and have our opinions and, you know, and just be able to talk about it. So I really appreciate you guys agreeing to do it, doing this with me and we are going to meet in real life. For those of you guys who don't, for those of you who are listening to us, um, just really quickly, I want to go around the room real quick. Everybody just tell them where you're from. Mel, we'll start with you. Where I'm from? Yeah. Like where do you live? Like we're spread out. All... <laughs> I'm, I'm in Ottawa, Canada. And um, Allison? I'm in Illinois. And Sandy? I'm in Arizona. And Sierra? I'm in Pennsylvania. And Robin? I'm in Pennsylvania, but I also am from Jupiter now too. She's in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) She came down to Florida. So Robin and I have this master plan. The next time she's in Florida, we're going to meet. So I I can't wait for that. So anyways, but post-COVID we need to get together for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thanks again, ladies, for being here today. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Hey there. I just want to say thank you for spending time with me here today. I know your time is super valuable, which is why I am dedicated to providing lots of usable, actionable information in the shortest amount of time possible. Before you go, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a future episode. And if you have ideas or topics you would like me to cover in an upcoming show, let me know about it in the comment section provided. 